You're listening to The Private Citizen, a civil liberties podcast. This is episode 139 for Wednesday, the 4th of January, 2023. Refocusing the podcast. Hello, everybody. This is it. We're into the fourth year of the podcast. My name is Fab. I'm your host, as always, as I've been for the last three years. How are you doing? I'm coming to you as usual from the Fab Industries studios in Düsseldorf in Germany. I hope uh, you are having a good 2023 or you had a good, you know, New Year's celebration if you do that kind of thing um, and, and you're doing well uh, I hope thanks for being here um, yeah this is um, a little bit of a special kind of episode first episode in the year um, a little bit of a yeah this is a bit of an editorial episode um, today we're going to talk about what the podcast will look like in the future don't worry, it's not going to be bad. Um, it's also not going to change that much. Um, and uh, we'll have a little bit of feedback that's been um, collecting on the forum, some some nice discussions. And yeah, um, so um, maybe one thing before we get into it. Um, again, this I'm not um, streaming this episode live. I need to, I've, I've changed a lot of things. Um for this show and I still need to change a little bit of stuff around um, to do live streams again. So I'm, I'm hoping um, I'm, I will be able to live stream the next episode and um, I've, I've changed a little bit of the setup on my computer, how I do things, how I record things and, and you know, there have been some changes with OBS that I want to take, um, um, uh, yeah, you know, that I, I kind of want to take advantage of it's... Um, the OBS now uh, can actually um, it has changed the way this audio routing. Um, OBS is the software you open broadcast the studios. The software I use to stream the show live on on Twitch. So if you haven't, I mean, this is obviously you know most people listen to this as a, as a podcast, but um, I live stream the recording and then um, that gets um, also you know recorded by Twitch and then up, I upload that to my YouTube channel. Um, and I, I do this, the live streaming on Twitch with OBS and, um, OBS, uh, has, um, a new option to, to use, um, audio on a per application basis that is on windows. Um, I'm, I'm doing this on windows. I was using some third party software that I don't, didn't particularly like to do this before. Of course, if you do this kind of thing on Linux, you're way ahead of the curve because you have Pulse Audio and you can do all this kind of stuff kind of built in the, to the operating system and you could even use Jack and then you'd be like, you know, you'd basically have a recording studio and software, um, at least like the routing part. Uh, but uh, obviously I'm doing this on Windows and so I need to need to take care of some changes and because I've changed so much um, of the holiday break since the last episode, I couldn't get that done. But I, you know, episode 140 should be live streamed and we should have a video again. Um, yeah, but with this out of the way, let's talk about the thing, thing I wanted to talk about, which is um, where, where I'm going with this show. And 
first I need a little bit of uh, a coffee jolt here because I've um, I went bouldering early. I haven't been able to go bouldering for about a month because you know I, I was I was sick there for a while and had a lot of stuff to do to catch up on. I didn't have time, and now I'm um, I'm starting to feel tired <laughs> from from the climbing. So I kind of need to uh, keep myself. Um, in the game here but yeah um so the first thing you will notice if you go to privatecitizen.press you know the, the, the show's website uh, is that we got a brand new website well it's kind of you know still like the same technology underneath but um sorry i'm just gonna get some more coffee here but it's uh it's a new theme um which looks very different and comes with new, fe- new features and, you know, pretty much all the old features. I built all the old stuff back in there. Um, but you can now have, it's now dark mode by default and you can switch to light mode if you want. If you like kind of the old white look uh, better, you can kind of switch to a, a brighter look. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping uh, people will like the new look. I was um, thinking over the last few weeks and months really, about kind of, um, you know, as the title says, refocusing the show, taking the show in a little bit of a uh, new direction. And I thought, you know, um, I thought when to do this, and I thought I might as well, you know, I, I want to change the look of the site for a while as well. So I thought I might as well do that in one fell swoop and do it like in the beginning of the year so that, you know, it's all, you know, you can immediately see that the ch- show has changed a little bit. Um but it's not really um, gonna change that much. Um, basically, the main thing, you know, I changed the album art a little bit as well uh, to fit in. You know, change because you know, change the look a little bit. But basically, what I want to do, it's it's not gonna be anything major. Um, you know, I still want to talk about the topics I want to talk about in the way you, you've come accustomed to. You know, the slogan of the show will still be, you know, think think for yourself. But I want to, and I've, I mean, I've been doing this over the last few months, to be honest, um, pivot the, um, the the main attention, the main topic of the show a little bit. And as you can tell by the new slogan, a civil liberties podcast, that's where I'm going. I want to talk more about civil liberties. And I've, I've shared my thinking behind this before, but I'm going to do this again. So um when I started this podcast, I was thinking, you know, I was I, I'm known for uh, being one of the two people who uh, did Linux Outlaws back in the day because I did that, you know, with Dan uh, back oh, almost, uh, you know, it's coming up to ten years almost since so we started that show. But like the the idea was, I was interested in in software freedom. I thought that was very important. I, I was very um, you know, I care. I, I still do. I care about software and the way um, it's written, what it does to society, and that to me seemed to be the most important topic back in the day. And when I started this show, um, I thought, you know, if you were going to start a show today, which I was, I was doing, you know, not with another person, but on my own this time. But like, what, what's the most important topic? And obviously, it isn't. Uh, software freedom for me anymore because that's why we stopped doing Linux Outlaws because I thought um, I kind of said everything I wanted to say in that topic and that still holds true almost today like I'm still there's not that much to add really um, and I don't want to keep repeating myself again and again I thought what would be the the, the topic you'd, you'd concentrate on today 
right? What would be, what would you think would be the important topic today? And I thought, you know, privacy. Privacy is the new battleground, you know, um, with kind of um, a lot of the internet and a lot of other software now running on open source. Um, I mean, there's still problems with cloud computing in that respect, but like, what's the next frontier and to me it wasn't code anymore it was data to me like the important thing was data like what's happening with our data how is it used to control our lives and so that was the initial gist for this show now when i started the show in february um, of 2020 very soon it became apparent that we have a um a very important topic that 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 was happening in real time which was the pandemic and I started concentrating on privacy impact of the pandemic, you know, the privacy impact we had. And there were quite a lot of things, you know, and then, you know, I talked about software and stuff like that. But like, um, it became apparent pretty quickly to me that with the pandemic, the biggest, like the frontier was shifting towards, um, you know, issues of personal freedom. And... This is, I mean, this was always important to me, even before, you know, even when I started the show, which you can tell from the title, um, The Private Citizen. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure I've ever explained this, um, where the reason comes from. I, prob I don't think I have, which is a bit of an oversight, so I should probably do this now. If I have done so before, I just can't remember, which happens. I'm, uh, I'm turning 40 this year. Um, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, but, like, the idea basically behind calling the show The Private Citizen is it is a show from a private citizen, me, for private citizens, right? It's um, because I feel it's kind of like, you know, Linux Outlaws was called Linux Outlaws because I felt I kind of like to name my podcasts relatively straightforward. Um, and, and, and Linux Outlaws named Linux Outlaws because at the time I felt um, that people who were using Linux and were into open source were kind of seen as like the outlaws of the tech world. Around. Uh, this coming from the time when Microsoft was still kind of Steve Ballmer going, you know, uh, Linux is a cancer and all of that. Um, and, you know, there have been companies around trying to like scare people of using open source licenses and stuff like that. Um, and so I felt like I was... I, wanted to embody what the listenership of the show is like, you know, not, not in actual outlaws as in actually doing something illegal, but like being um, seen as that by the rest of society. And The Private Citizen is kind of the same thing. This is a show from a private person for private people, you know, for private citizens, because I feel like the private citizen is getting more is more and more under fire out there right we are kind of the new almost like outlaws um because people if you're listening to if you listen to podcasts that deal with politics and society and stuff like that um you hear a lot from the perspective of companies which is because, you know, companies have PR departments. You know, private citizens don't have PR departments. There's lots of talk about politics, about, you know, people in politics, important people. Um, and um, and I feel like the, we are moving, society is moving in a direction where it's more about collectivism, right? Where it's more about, you know, like, um, so there's all these themes out there, you know, and we are under 
under threat by the climate and, and there's this 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 um, narrative that we cannot we can't this is something where we need all need to pull together and where the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few so if you you know if you don't agree and and and, and if you 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 still like you know driving around in this stupid car of yours then you know we can't afford to people as a society we can't afford to have people to have freedoms like this at some point we're gonna have to take your car away right this is all like hyperbole but i do feel that a lot of this is happening right now and the same you know the same thing happened during the pandemic right there was a real um um I would say propaganda, but it wasn't so much propaganda. It was more like a, a groupthink situation. I mean, we're going to talk about the Twitter files uh, in a bit, probably on the next episode. And then we, at some point, I'm going to talk about the Twitter files and the pandemic and how, like, basically, we're now learning that a lot of this mainstream thinking maybe was a little bit, org you know, engineered and was propaganda to some extent but yeah whatever you know we're going to talk about that in a bit but like in, a, in, a, in another episode but um what i mean is like that's that was the same way that was the same push in the same direction away from personal freedoms towards we need to be safe right and we need to people we need we need to like curtail certain freedoms so we can all be safe and i can see this Everywhere. I mean, a, a topic that I haven't, like, we're discussing on the forum for a long time and I haven't had, like, the, just the, actually the time for research to do episode on, but that I want to do an episode on is, like, the trucker port protest in Canada. And this is the same thing, right? Where it's like, you know, this is something where, like, as a society, we need to clamp down on individuals. And I see this everywhere. And it all always goes, it's like a powers power um gradient right where where um we i feel like we're putting more and more power towards organizations the state uh, and less towards individuals right and and that's always been the case um which is why we have civil rights in a you know in a in a democratic state like most of us probably live in um i certainly do um we have um we have constitutional rights and we have we have rights for the individual and those are there because the people that um made the laws recognize that in a state um the individual is always like the weakest um so the state always has more power than the individual right or you know corporate i mean yeah, the constitution doesn't care with you know doesn't concern corporations, but there are other laws generally in these in, in in our societies that that do the same thing towards corporations, right? They're usually consumer protection laws or something like this, but where the where the where the people who created this kind of political system that we live in recognize that the individual needs protect needs protection needs to be protected needs to be protected from the government. Um, from political parties, from corporations, from organizations, and yeah, I feel like that is um, that is weakening. So, so that was always like in the show title, right? This show is kind of like the album art. Well, the current album art is me with a shotgun, which is not meant to be threatening. The idea is, you know, the private. This is like we're standing up for ourselves, right? Um, what we're trying to do here is is nobody. 
these days, I feel, is standing up for us as private citizens. And we need to protect our rights. And I want to be, um, that's kind of my mission with the show, right? I want to I wanna talk about issues and, and about the, the, not only, you know, the, the, the threats to our civil liberties, but also um, where, like, what processes are happening in society. I mean, this is why I talk about journalism so much, um, because I think it's an integral part in this, like, how, why, why are these things happening, right? Why are people suddenly of the opinion that, like, we need to be safe and we can subordinate um, individual freedoms to this, um, you know, which is something that is kind of new, um, at least, you know, where I live in Germany um, or in countries like uh, like the UK or the US, uh, Australia. I mean, we we didn't, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, we, um, there were as many threats, right? There was, yeah, maybe not like the disease threat, although, they, you know, there were diseases, but like people felt under threat as much as today. Right, we had the Cold War. Uh, we had the imminent threat of um, of uh, nuclear war. Um, we ha we had wars. You know, in the nineties, we had we had wars in Europe that people seem to have forgotten. Um, we had these same threats. I mean, I, when I was in primary school, there were the same predictions about like you know peak oil and 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 global warming and and the ice caps melting i mean they were all the same predictions and but all of this didn't cause us as a society to suddenly start moving towards like collectivism and going like oh well you know we need to be all like um, John Locke about this, and we all need to, you know, we 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 need to go full utilitarianism. Like the society is now more important um, than the individual. You know, in quite in the contrary, I think when I was growing up, uh, because of the Cold War, and especially here in Germany, you know, we are we're being very very intimately. Um, aware of it because you know Germany was uh, was two countries at the time and, and East Germany was part of the Soviet bloc and this you know communism or socialism you know I did an episode on 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 the difference um, as you might remember but like you know the, the what they both have in common and what that whole like what the the, the Soviet Union had in common was this um uh, focus on on collectivism right on 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 the state um the state knows best and the the the, the, the state cares for its citizen but like the state also like you know um is more important than individual citizens right that was the that was what the whole soviet union was about from the beginning um that was like this goes back to Lenin. I mean, this was kind of like Lenin's idea, um, and of of course, um, even you know because you know Stalin built it in the proper dictatorship. Um, this tendencies got even yeah they got they got reinforced and and multiplied really, um, and you, you could you know you could see it like in things like the response to Chernobyl. Um, you know where where the government would clearly lie to 
its citizens because you know the 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 basically it was deemed that the um integrity of the state um and its prestige was more important than individual citizens who might as well you know just die of radiation poisoning as long as the you know the government wouldn't collapse that that was it was considered more important and i think because we railed against this in the west especially in germany you know the the german um the the federal republic um in um in contrast to the like was contrasting itself with the east german state and saying we're not like this we are like you know we have we hold the rights of our citizens um paramount and that we have strict rules um you know governing how the rules and, and rights and, and constitution that 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 enshrines these rights for the individual um and i think with with the soviet union now gone it feels like a lot of people have forgotten that right i mean certainly not the people in power because they're all you know older than me or at least as old as me but you know people in power always try to maximize their power that's just how politics works but like i think the people that are being governed have have, have forgotten this and are now easily um kind of goaded into um agreeing with you know giving up these rights for what i think are um negligible or non-existing benefits um looking you know hindsight is 2020 but looking at the pandemic at least in germany um i you know the more i look at it the stronger my belief becomes that um had we not passed all these restrictions you know things would have ended pretty much the same i think that death toll would have been the same um i think had we done um, what I was thinking in the beginning, and you know, it's not like that I made this up, but you know, that experts who weren't heard at the time were saying like this doesn't, you know, these lockdowns don't make any sense. What we need to do is we need to lock down, you know, um, old folks' homes. We need to protect these people. Like we need to protect vulnerable people, but protecting the general population um, is 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 useless. And you know, we've seen that. I mean. You can see that in China right now, um, how, you know, trying to go zero COVID or whatever they call it, like was a really stupid idea. And it, it, is, it is a clearly a stupid idea. That's something like that anybody with, with common sense can just tell, can tell you won't work, work right? And um, so I feel like we're giving up these rights for, for no benefits largely. But even before I, before all of this, I kind of had this feeling, right? This is why I named the show The Private Citizen. And um, coming off the pandemic, um, where like, you know, over the, you know, started the show with like the focus on privacy. And then I realized, oh, we have a problem here. We like our civil liberties are really um, in danger. And then I focused on that. Uh, and then... When I, you know, when I said, okay, now we we're gonna talk about different problems now that our society has, we have to move on from like nonstop coverage of the pandemic. Um, 
which I you know kind of did at the beginning of last year. Um, you know that was the time when 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 the second time I tried to move on from that topic and it actually stuck. Um, but then I noticed over the last year, and you've kind of you know I t- kind of talked a little bit about this uh, in the previous episode, which was like my my twenty twenty two recap episode. Um, I noticed that this pattern um, of um, yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this for months, and I'm kind of trying to put it into words, but I can't really haven't haven't been able to do this succinctly. And I haven't seen anybody else. I haven't read or heard anybody else who's done this more succinctly. Otherwise, I would have just you know copied their their terms or whatever, <laughs> you know. But um, this this move towards um, you know, putting more emphasis on whatever it is, safety or whatever, like the more importance on like society as I, like the state, the 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 body of citizens as a whole at the expense of individual rights. I think it's becoming a very dangerous meme, right? It that was that was almost unopposed during the pandemic i think one of the reasons it was so unopposed because it was because websites like twitter manipulated public opinion but we're going to talk about that in another episode but you know whatever you know it, in the mainstream opinion you know in the press and 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 and, and in what the government like regurgitated of what it thought the population wanted um it was almost unopposed this like we need to you know we need to um um, it's totally okay if we if we curtail individual rights if we protect the most of society, and this is like this is becoming a meme. This is now um, being um, used. This kind of arguments are being used um, for other in other areas. You know, I already mentioned uh, climate change. Um, it's almost as unopposed, um, but um, also in like it's kind of. I mean, the Ukraine war is a little bit of a different um, beast in this respect because wars are always um, governments, even democratic governments, don't tend to, you know, kind of ask their um, constituents uh, what you know what they think about wars. It's always that the government decides, right? So it's not like um, the German government was like, "Hmm, let's listen to." What did you know? Putin invades Ukraine. Um, well, in you know, not really. Uh, Putin, uh, the 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 Russian state um, intensifies its war in Ukraine, um, and um, the German government didn't go like, oh, let's see what our like the people who voted for us think. Right? There was an immediate reaction. I'm talking like in within minutes. Or whatever, like on the same day, you know, in the morning, the news broke, and the, the, the you know, the 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 foreign minister and and the defense minister, they were already, you know, condemning. I mean, condemning this kind of act is, of course, uh, the right thing to do. But they were always like pledging their support to Ukraine, and they weren't like it wasn't like hmm. Uh, let's let's think about if we as Germany should get involved in this, you know condemning that it's a it's 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 morally wrong and you know you know problematic under international law and all of that. Of course you can do that, but like um, Germany was immediately all in with um, you know delivering weapons and, and stuff like that, pretty much. Um, so 
you know, so the wars are always a bit different. Like the government kind of decides what it does, what it wants to do, um, based on geopolitical. And this doesn't like it doesn't like it doesn't matter if this is a, like a, a, um, a dictatorship or a democracy or whatever, right? Um, it the government. And it, all countries do this. Like the government decides this based on geopolitical, um, you know, on the geopolitical situation, and then it 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 justifies it. Like if it's a if it um, you know if it's a democracy, the government tries to justify this to the populace in a way that you know, in when in, whenever in two or three years there's a vote, then you know, then the vote comes around, and, you know, that 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 the, the in in the best case scenario, the um, the population feels like the government did what the population wanted it to do, right? And this is this is the same. You know, the, you see this uh, in the U.S. Um, with with the kind of you know um, how the the president will decide basically to go to war and then get it rat- ratified afterwards. Like that that that's how it happened over the last. I don't know if it always happened that way, but like over certainly over the last few year, a few wars the U.S. Uh, were involved in, um, and it's like it's a way of, uh, especially in the U.S., it's kind of a way of creating um, um, a. Um, a consensus, right? Because the president goes, okay, we're, we're going to war and then has a justification for this. And in the US, it always seems to work generally that the majority of the population in, in this kind of, you know, scenario will back the president out of, you know, the inbuilt patriotism that's basically there in the US. Um, I mean, um, and it really doesn't matter what the political parties are that are involved. It's kind of the same here in Germany right now as well with the Ukraine war. Like nobody except the most minor parties are just outspoken um, critics of the government policy towards Ukraine and Russia right now. Um, and, and in the US, it's 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 the same, right? When you saw um, the invasion of Iraq, um, you, you know, it, that was a Republican president, but there were there was widespread support from the Democrats, you know, people that we later came to call largely uh, neocons, um, you know, but like there was widespread support and it's like a way of creating facts, right? You, you are as a, as the president, you, you, you kick this whole thing off and then you just have a, basically a propaganda push in the right direction. And um, this is all like, I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm against all wars, but generally I'm not saying like that all wars are, I, I talked about this on the show before as well, are unjustified. But like what I'm doing here is analyzing the way it works completely um, without even regarding whether this is the right decision, right? That is the way it works. Um, if what you're doing is justified or not, or, you know, is in in my opinion the right thing to do it doesn't really matter this is how governments always work so this this kind of the the ukraine situation is kind of out of this it's not like the same problem that we have that we had with the pandemic or with 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 climate change where basically the government is trying to um convince um the populace or, or the populace convinces itself um, to give up rights and privileges that it has enjoyed um, for some other goal. Um, you know, it's more of a geopolitical situation. But you see the same surrounding that. You see the same um, 
forces at work, right? You see uh, a, uh, a press that is not fulfilling its, its role anymore to inform the public, to be critical of the government, uh, quite the contrary. Uh, you, have, you see a press regurgitating propaganda from the government or, you know, um, from, from other organizations um, or even like propaganda that is like from a grass, grassroots movement out of the um, out of the population, but the you know the press is not not being critical, and um, you have the same mechanisms in government um, that you know that are you know that basically in 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 the case of the war in in Ukraine, they're not taking like our rights away for some reason or whatever because they don't need to right because. Germany was to go to war, um, the people that went to, you know, compulsory military training, you know, under under laws that have been there for like 50 years or whatever, will will just get drafted and they don't really need to change any law, laws there because that's always the way this kind of thing worked. But it's the same, like, pressures on the individual, I feel, right? It's like... Um, um, as a private citizen, you're in the same situation if you said, uh, well, I don't approve of the, uh, the the methods the government is using to combat this pand pandemic. Uh, or if you said, um, well, I am of a different opinion when it comes to our approach to global warming. Um, it's the same as if you say, well, I am, of, I am critical of the uh, foreign policy of my country with regards to Ukraine and Russia, um, you know, in my uh, personal case, and I've talked about this before, I think Germany has no business, um, you know, in any wars, really. <laughs> um, I think we've, we've forfeited this. Uh, uh, we forfeited our uh, right to, or our privilege to intervene uh, in any kind of wars when we start, started the two biggest wars in history. Um, and I think, you know, as, as a German, uh, I, f I feel very much, I don't feel a responsibility for what my, you know, forefathers did because I have nothing to do with that. Um, but I do think um, that the country itself, um, you know, would do well in like basically transcending these kind of power politics because we have very good experience um, what kind of depth of the human experience we, we plunge ourselves when we do this kind of thing. So, I mean, if there's any country, you know, that could have said, you know, when, when, when Zelensky kept, kept call, calling for weapons, um, it could have said, no, um, we uh we we do not want to give anybody else weapons we've made ve that you know we've from our history is not something we would could we want to do then then germany would have been the one to do that of course it would have been largely hypocritical because we've you know sold weapons and supported other countries with weapons in the past but i think maybe this would have been a nice line to draw here um i mean gerd schroeder tried this um, with the Iraq war and, um, you know, did this very well. I mean, for power 
you know power politics reasons uh, realpolitik reasons but I think it was a good decision but then like we kind of failed in Afghanistan again and stuff like that we should have just um, yeah um, I mean Germany is in a diff difficult position because we can't really leave NATO and as a member of NATO you have kind of have to do these things but I, I mean I also feel like maybe we should have just left NATO because you know I've said this a lot of times I don't think NATO can do anything for Germany um, which is um, I think it's largely a myth that NATO um, would have done anything you know had the Russians for example uh, in the Cold War invaded I think you know because the NATO defense plans pretty much give up most of Germany um, including the, the now capital uh, you know it's just like I mean that's why the old capital was born because you know that was kind of where the defense line was <laughs> uh, um But um, yeah, so I, I don't, you know, and then in the nuclear war, all bets are off. But that, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, so I feel this is a very long winded way of saying I, I've migrated from open source is the most important thing in the world right now to privacy is the most important thing in the world to uh, civil liberties are the most important thing in the world, which is why I want to concentrate on that more. Um, which is kind of going, you know, it just takes you 40 years to understand these things. Uh, you need to get old, I think, to understand these things. But basically, looking back, I'm just going down. It's going, like, <coughs> basically, I went, okay, open source is important. And then it took me a few years, and then I realized, or a few decades, and then I realized, hmm, shit, uh, open source is worth nothing if you don't control your data. And then I quickly, in my defense, this, this process is quicker now I realize hey um, you know uh, privacy rights is just a small sliver of like civil liberties and if we use all the others then we who cares who cares about privacy um, when you can't be free in other ways so this is currently the level I'm at now I'm thinking like okay civil liberties are the most important thing which is why I want to talk about that that being said I'm still going to talk about what my um, colleagues in the press are doing wrong because this is just such a big problem in society right now that it kind of permeates everything. Uh, I will still talk about, um, for example, important IT security uh, topics that I think benefit everybody that, that are just not on a like IT nerd basis interesting, but also interesting um To a wider audience, I've got a topic lined up uh, pretty soon, which I think is, is important because, you know, we all need operational security as well. That's also very important um, to understand topics like this. Um, I'm still going to talk about other political things um, that, I've, that I find interesting. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's many topics I have lined up. But I basically... So basically the show itself is not going to change that much because it's already changed. It's always changing. I always talk about what I find interesting right now. I mean, for example, we're going to talk in the future, I think we're going to talk a lot about intelligence services again, um, you know, partly because of the Twitter files and, you know, that might not have an immediate civil, civil liberties impact, although intelligence services always have at least if they target you. So, you know, it's it's all going to be... The show basically has already changed. Basically, what I've done um, is I changed the look of it. Uh, you know, the website, 
Um, I restructured a few things in how I'm going to do the show. Um, and, you know, the, the, the album art so that people notice, hey, things are changing. Um, one other thing I've changed is I've, I've updated the Patreon levels. They're, they're still the same. So I kind of want to move away from PayPal. The PayPal address is still there, but it's it's very it's not used by many people. Um, and I kind of um, you know want to want to move towards um, Patreon if possible, right? Um, because it's kind of you know that's like kind of like a, a monthly. Um, support um like that is just important it kind of really helps me keep the show going and you know it's it's what most people use so i've kind of decided to concentrate on that and i've i've kind of changed um the the well the patreon levels itself are the same um what i basically did is i um clarified a little bit like you know i'm i'm brought the 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 text that you're seeing um when you're um when when you're going there in line with what the value for value model is i.e that you know you get the show for free and it's totally okay if you enjoy the show and you don't have to feel bad but if you want to pitch in it is a um an act in itself it is it is not so that you get some benefits um but it is so it is because you want to support the show and you want to keep the show going and i clarified that a little bit so the patreon levels are still the same um there's associate producer which is a dollar a month or you know your equivalent current in, in your equivalent currency um producer which is two dollars a month supervising producer five dollars a month executive producer ten dollars a month and then showrunner thirty dollars a month um so i named these kind of like you know hollywood uh, credits as well um and you know the producer the the, the two dollars a month is kind of what i like would recommend for most people i think that's if a lot of people do that that's kind of you know sustainable for the show um i I like everybody, you know, obviously I, I, I appreciate if you pitch in more, um, but, you know, supporting the show itself is kind of the like the most important thing. Anyway, so I clarified that you don't get any other any benefits. You get, you know, as I always do, you get credit on the show and you get a badge on the forum. Um, that's basically it. Um, you know, we had merchandising with the highest uh, supporter tier. And um, I turned that off now um, because not many people were using that, and I kind of didn't want to. I didn't want to. Didn't want people to to like support me at that tier just to get like the shirt. So what I'm gonna do at some point, I can't promise when. Um, for me, the most important thing right now is to get episodes out. Right, I still. I, I remain committed to doing one episode for every week uh, in the year. And because I dropped so many last year, I'm still committed to catching up uh, this, during this year to catch up to the episodes I missed. So that's my main um, focus for the show. But if I have more time and if I can get things done, I do want to design a new shirt or maybe maybe more than a shirt. 
um, and have merchandising. I'm going to do that separate of Patreon so that it's a thing where people can just one-off buy a shirt if they want. Um, but that will not get you any credits at that point. That will just get you shirt or whatever merchandising I come up with. Um, I thought it'd be nicer for this um, to clear all this up in that way. Now, um, what I want you to do is to tell me what you think about all that. Of course, if you don't, if you approve and you think it's great, you don't even have to tell me anything. Um, I mean, it's nice if one or two people say, hey, this is cool. I like this, this, the plans. But, like, you know, if, if I don't hear from you, I'm going to just assume you liked the new direction. I mean, I, can, I can't really if you go like, but if you don't, please tell me, right? But if you tell me, like, I really don't like the new website design, I'm not going to roll that back um, because I did a lot of work and uh, to get this done and I, you know, thought a lot about it and there's reasoning behind it. But, you know, if you have ideas, if you're like, oh, I like this better on the old side, please also tell me that. Maybe we, maybe I can change some of that and it's certainly, you know, the site's not set in stone. I can... I can tweak the code, so um, yeah. So please, what I'm what I'm trying to say um, is, please give me some feedback. Yeah, and this is uh, you know this is something that's gonna stay the same. There's gonna be a feedback section on the show, and um, but what's new is the content. Well, it's so, you know, you go to private citizen press, um, and then there's a contact link in the top. There's more links there now, but you know, I've just updated the contact page and it's, it's very clear that the, um, it also says this in, in the individual show notes, um, the, uh, the preferred way to contact me is the forum. Um, but you know that that is basically because you know we can have discussions there, and I do like the discussions. And today's feedback section is uh, just basically going to be one discussion from the forum um, because it was cool. But it also showcases that you know what can happen when when the producers of the show, you know, not only the people who monetarily uh, support the show, but the people who pitch in and help out in other ways, um, like providing feedback, what they can do if they you know discuss things among themselves. So that's the preferred way. But there are other ways. You can email me. The whistleblower contact form still there. Um, yeah, so um, that that has remained the same. I, I do value your feedback very much. So if you have any, um, please contact me. Now, um, speaking of feedback, um, in response to episode 137, uh, which was uh, entitled uh, Tracking Elon's Jet, which was basically listener feedback, uh, an episode um, comprised of listener feedback, um, I had commented on, because of a discussion I had with listeners, about like where these problems are coming from that we're having with journalism, with people in general. And, you know, there's been this theory that we've been discussing that maybe it's education. And that is, I was commenting on how it's weird that it seems to be a worldwide problem, even though countries, our countries, you know, where, where, where you are listening from, all of you and, and where I'm from, have widely different education systems, but there seems to be this problem. So how, how does this work? 
And so we had a discussion um, on the forum um, between Barry Williams and Yevgeny Kuznetsov, who are both avid um, commenters on the show. And uh, Barry started this discussion off by saying, uh, I'm chiming in here halfway through this episode where you're discussing the problems that you think are caused by education. I'm an ex-high school teacher. I agree the problem is education. However, which is one of, I think, one of the reasons why Barry quit being a teacher, uh, despite, you know, there's also his personal life um, situation, which he goes into on the forum, but I haven't included that in here. Um, anyway, uh, Barry says, I agree the problem is education. However, the exact cause within the education system is more complicated. I think one issue lies with the students. No matter how great the teacher or the education system, students sometimes just don't learn good. I am not sure about your view on teachers being university rejects, and that's like his shorthand for what I actually said, but you know, I'm okay with that. Basically what I said, um, teaching as a profession is increasingly becoming more complex, not only dealing with teaching your subject, but also raising and supporting children of diverse needs, etc. Not to mention dealing with children. I think the majority of teachers are in the profession because they believe in what they do. However, it is becoming increasingly difficult. Now, I have to disagree with that, but this is my personal opinion. Um, I do know some teachers. I mean, my parents were teachers. My mother was certainly was one of these teachers. And I do know some, some of my friends are teachers who, who are doing this because uh, they believe in what they do. Right? Um, but I also met a lot of people in university, which is where this rejects idea comes from, who became teachers because they didn't know what else to do um, with their university career. And... Um, and and uh, Barry, uh, you talk about how um, teaching basically has two aspects. You know, you have to know what you're talking about, and you have to know how to teach it and how to deal with children. And I always thought, and this is probably because of my mother and you know her her ways of teaching, you know how how I was raised, that the second aspect was much more important. Um, so um, I feel, and I've met a lot of teachers who were learning to become teachers and um, to some degree my wife is in a, um, uh, in a similar position because my wife is um, currently also giving courses at university and kind of gearing up to becoming uh, eventually a professor and she uh, is she started teaching a subject which is like this is not like it has very like you know she does um uh she, um, she basically does electrophysiology, so, so she does research um, on neuronal pathways in the heart, right? So she does um, research on certain cell types and what they do. Uh, and, and she was teaching uh, physiology, right? And uh, she was like, I, like my, my actual, you know, field of study has, has basically nothing to do with what I'm teaching. Here. And I was saying, like... Um, yeah, but that's not like to me. Um, you know, I was basically giving her the advice that I learned from my parents being teachers. Um, that is not the important thing. It's much more important to understand how to teach the subject than the subject itself, because you can always. To be honest, what you do as a teacher is you read the fucking textbook before the students, right? And then you prepare materials. It's not like. To teach history, you have to be a history buff. You need to know what you're teaching, but that's kind of it. It gets more complicated. You know, the the higher you get in 
um, in in the education system pretty much. You know, the more um, advanced the stuff you teach becomes. And for example, I couldn't teach math because I'm an idiot when it comes to math. Um, but you know, I could if I could teach, and if I wanted to teach, I, I certainly could teach physics, even though I, you know. I'm not very good in physics and wasn't ever very good in physics in school, but you know, you can just, I mean, that's basically what a journalist does as well. I kind of, you know, I, I get a subject that I've basically never heard about and then, um, or an aspect of the subject that I know nothing about. And then I have like a limited amount of time to understand what, what it is that I'm, you know, trying to understand. And then I turn around and explain it to somebody else. And that's basically what teachers do. And I, I have always felt that the teachers that, that or I've, this is my personal experience, that the teachers that I, I met at university who were kind of the university rejects, um, they were very passionate about the subject, you know, because, you know, they might, they might have studied history like me and then decided to become a teacher um, and then teach history, but they were passionate about history. Um, but they weren't so passionate about teaching and they weren't actually good in teaching with teaching and they were not good in like the actual um, pedagogy as we're going to talk about in a little bit, you know, um, the, the, the how to teach people. And my mother was always the other way around, you know, at the end of her career, um, she was teaching in a um, relatively low, you know, the German high school system has several like rungs, right? Um, where basically children are, you know, um, sent to a higher rung based on ability, basically. Um, and she was like on the second to lowest tier um, in a um, suburb that was very, very problematic um, with lots of um, children from immigrants and, you know, lots of problems, you know, so sociological problems. Um, and... And and she was always saying like it like she was teaching history, but she was for example, but she was like this is not about me teaching history. What I'm trying to do for, first and foremost is get the kids to just behave and be quiet and 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 create an atmosphere uh, in the classroom conducive to learning. But that was like eighty percent of her um, of her work. Um, and then she said the actual. Like teaching them, and my mother knew history, so it's not like like she, that was something she didn't knew. And that's what was she she studied that back in the day, right? But like, um, like the she was always like the actual subject matter is like the 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 least of my concerns. I gotta get them to behave. I gotta uh, look at like the try to solve their social problems, some of their family problems. Um, they, they need to like even learn learn to read <laughs> correct like or like even write a german correct german sentence like this is more of my problems um and i i find those teachers generally are, are the good ones and um what i also object to a little bit is what barry is saying like you know teaching as a profession is increasingly becoming more complex not only dealing with teaching your subject but also raising and supporting children of diverse needs um, I don't know how has that changed. I mean, there is there is this understanding in society now that like ch kids have all these diverse needs, um, but that was always the case, right? We don't have more children with learning disabilities today, or like with you know problems like autism than we had thirty years ago, 
Like, what would be the reason for that? I don't think there is. It's just that 30 years ago, we didn't know what those things were. And people just didn't care for, like, learning disabilities. So it's more complex now, maybe because you know about this and you need to care about this. But, like, I'm going to say something really, really... It's gonna, I mean, I don't have kids, so I, I don't have... You know, I don't have any skin in this game. I don't fucking care. I don't really care about the education system. You know, I don't care about kids. So I just care about it because of a, of the societal impact. But I'm going to say something really controversial. It's going to piss people off. But I kind of have the feeling. So if, if our theory is that education is now shit and it was better back in the day. Um, and back in the day, we didn't care for all these people with learning disabilities and I think we we just let them drop off. Like, we just didn't care for them, so they didn't just didn't learn anything. But it seems to me, if our theory that the education system back in the day was better is correct, that means that this caused all the other kids that, you know, that are in the majority that do not have learning disabilities and any of these, you know, um, you know, like, um, illnesses for lack of a better term but like you know that have problems um, it seems to me they got a better education now I feel it is worthwhile to try to help kids with learning disabilities you know and you know we make progress in in in, in science and medicine so we recognize these disorders that we didn't recognize 30 40 years ago but I think we're doing it wrong. Uh, it feels like we are degrading the education system for everybody trying to elevate these people. And it probably works. It's probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that the education system today is a lot better for people with learning disabilities than it was 30 years ago um, or 40 years ago. But if it degrades the quality of everybody's learning, then we're doing something wrong. Right? And I don't know. I'm not a specialist in education. I never wanted to be a teacher. I don't care about kids, basically. But it feels like the problem is, at least here in Germany, in our education system, that we're trying to integrate people with learning disabilities into their other classrooms and we're degrading everybody's experience um, instead of segregating these people in, in, in special schools where they get specialized care by specialized teachers who knows who knew what know what they were do what they are doing i think that would be a better approach but i think it's not an approach that is like accepted in society because that means like segregating these people and that makes them look like you know disabled people or whatever um and I don't know if that would be the right approach, but you know, it's. I think it's an approach that's not being talked about. There, because we always we want to be inclusive now today. We, we, these days, we want to be inclusive with everything, but sometimes that doesn't work, right? After school, I spent several months um, working in a um, in a dis, in a in a workshop for disabled people, um, and I was actually, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I wasn't disabled. I was like running the one of the groups. Um, and there's a reason that these people get segregated in special workshops. And it's like, 
um, I, I had a very good experience there. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, you know, people with disabilities, people with Down syndrome and, and other disabilities. And I saw something quite remarkable that if you get these people in the right environment, they are productive and they're actually happy. They're happy because they're productive. It doesn't work for everybody, but like they would certainly wouldn't be productive in a normal company because they have special needs. Um, and I, I always thought it was a good idea to cater to these people with special needs, um, you know, and, and if you need a special environment for that, and, you know, for a lot of these people you do because they just, they can't deal with, like, you need, you need basically, um, you know, when I started working there, they taught me, uh, you know, I mean, it's not a generalized kind of thing you learn it's basically like okay you, you're gonna work with this group right there's like 10 people and then they they explain to you all you know what all their different needs are and like all these people are different and 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 where you need to be careful like with some of the people you can't talk too loud with other people you you know whatever you know if you just fidget with your hands it makes them nervous and then they start being like they have special needs and you 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 um you learn to accommodate those needs and and that's why they need to be in a special environment. It has the downside that, you know, oh, it's the disabled people place. But I think in general, at least in my experience, um, it was good for them. And it was probably good for society as well. Um, so maybe we need something like this. But I, I don't know. Um, anyway, that's just something I wanted to say. Uh, Barry continued... And the education system, at least in Australia, is becoming more and more like a business. Losing sight of the purpose of education is to um, uh, is to uh, losing sight of the purpose of education, which is to better better the population and the benefit this brings. The business of education is fo focused on reducing operating costs at the expense of good education. Implementing KPIs, oh God, I mean even that term, uh, that are not always focused on the best educational goals. Good teachers do their best to implement great education, while the business of education does everything it can to undermine their efforts. Um, that was not my experience when I went to school in Australia, but that is now 23 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, things might have changed, and I already recognized that they have a lot of private schools there. I mean, I didn't did not go to a private school in Australia. Um, I went to James Nash State High School, uh, as the name suggests. That's a public school. Um, and, yeah, um, so that might be an Australian problem. In Germany, we certainly do not have that. In Germany, schools, I mean, there are private schools, but they're very, very select and very, very few. And then, actually, um, you know, it's not it's not something that, uh, that 95 or 98% of parents would even... Um, think of sending this like you have to be like really rich and it's kind of like a I don't know the people I know and the I grew up with and all the people I know they're just like you know in, in Germany it's just accepted we have a state school system and we like that system and everybody's like yeah why should I send my kid to a private school that's gonna become some weird American thing or whatever you know that's kind of like the, the prejudice we have so here we have you know public schools and they're all public schools and they're not run like businesses and which is good i feel the problem here is at least in my experience uh, this kind of started when you know when you know my last years of school 
um, we ha we have a very old school, or we had a very old school, old fashioned system, um, and they they were trying to to modernize it, and they were doing things like you know we'd have like a frontal kind of way of teaching. So you know when I went when I went to high school, I went to like the highest tier. Um, you know, where the most intelligent uh, kids go, you know, uh, gymnasium, it's called. Um, and um, it's it's kind of full frontal. It's like you have 25, 30 kids in a classroom and a teacher, and you, you're required to sit still and, you know, look eyes front, and the teacher explains everything to you. And they started changing that when, you know, in my last years of school, and they were like, oh, uh, these teachers who are fresh from university and they had all like this pedagogy stuff they studied and they were like, oh, let's do group exercises and stuff like that. And in in my experience, all of that failed. All of that was bullshit and I didn't learn anything um, with this shit and I, I didn't really like it and it, was, it wasn't conducive to learning as far as I'm concerned. That's not saying, that's not like I'm saying like the German system is perfect, um, or you, you can't do more modern stuff. I certainly very much um, appreciate it in Australia where, where we did things like, um, you know, you'd add, everybody had to like prepare um, a, every week you'd have to prepare like this, uh, this, this, this talk you had to have to give. Like it, you, there was a topic and, and everybody took a aspect of the topic, like, you know, um, and then you, you'd had a week's time to prepare and you had to get up in front of the class for 15 minutes and, you know, hold a, explain like your topic i i learned public speaking um i learned not to be afraid of you know people listening to you and all this kind of stuff um i learned to do like independent research with that so i like that um so i'm not saying this old school completely full frontal thing is is the way to go but i feel in general it's pretty good uh, and there's a i feel there's a reason that education for thousands of years has worked that way. You know, in, in different modes, but it's generally a teacher and students are required to shut the fuck up and listen and learn something. And it's not this all we all hold hands and then we're all like doing group exercises and then we're building things out of like plaster work or whatever the fuck we're doing, right? So I always felt like that was a step downward. And I can only surmise from my experience that that this has gotten much much worse i mean i haven't seen a classroom um from the inside for 20 years so i don't know but what do i know is that my wife now teaches students at university and they're much younger because we know you know school is now shorter in germany and um, we don't have uh for example for the boys or the the men compulsory military service so they they're a year early in university and 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 my wife basically um who's a lot more um she's not as old school as me right and she she's not as like i'm like i'm just an old man going oh the zoomers can't do shit like she's more open-minded in this regard but even she is just like these first year students i have can't they can't even write a letter right uh, when they do like I don't know they do something you know they they have to write something or uh, um, or like she I think she was running this thing where she was helping students um, apply to 
like side jobs at university which like was kind of and not part of her access like her course but was basically something she was doing because uh you know they had said they had problems with that and she's like well we can we can get together this was during the pandemic i think you know we can if it's like it's completely optional but if you want to i can like help you write like you know letters um if you apply for a job or whatever um or like you're learning how to apply for a grant you know at the university stuff like that she's like these people they, they can't they can't write a letter um or they can't like what was another thing like she was like one thing that really scared me um was like when when she she said something like um she was teaching something and and then a student said well but this is this isn't correct and you know my wife because she, she she's like you know this is not really my topic she's like you know could be i mean this is from the teaching material but like so what do you think um uh, I think this was concern. Oh, this is interesting. This I think this they were doing muscle, um, you know, nerves in muscles. And you know how you have these cramps at night. You know, you wake up with this muscle cramp in your leg, and you go like, ah, what the fuck? And there is this um, kind of um, belief that um, uh, magnesium helps with that. And um, so, so um, she was like thing from the teaching material that she was basically teaching that this you know how how these methyl cramps happen and and that we don't really know why and that like the the science uh the the, the scientific um consensus on what helps and if magnesium helps is like completely divided right and she was like oh um so if you look at that at papers you know or if you do a PubMed search for this kind of thing you get like 100 papers say magnesium helps and 100 papers say it doesn't um and and one of the students was like no 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 i'm, I'm pretty sure i read that magnesium helps and this is not right and whatever and she was like okay um so um like to the you know as a as a homework um why don't you like find um like you know we're doing you know she was she was teaching them also how to do scientific research and you know why don't you find a paper and whatever and so so he brings her a paper the next time it's like yeah here this this proves that magnesium helps and she just looks at the like it wasn't really actually so much of a paper it was more, more like a matter study but but she just looked at it based on the website it was based on and she immediately said uh you realize what the problem with it is right and the guy went like oh girl i don't know um the student went like uh, no why this is like scientific research and it's like um, this is on the website of a company that produces uh, dietary supplements, right? And they produce magnesium supplements. So of course, of course, they're gonna say uh, that magnesium helps. And the student was like, "Oh, oh, wow!" Now that you say that, so it's like these things where like these students can't like the, the critical thinking bit, like where they can't like they can't they, they're lacking basic skills. Like we're talking about university students, first year, second year university students who lack basic skills, like um, they can't get up in front of a class and just articulate their ideas cleanly. Um, they can't write a formal letter. Um, you know, they don't know how to sign the letter, like how to sign off or whatever, or what kind of greeting to use. Um, they <laughs> they can't like, you know, they, they, they have issues with critical thinking. Like, yeah. So 
what I'm trying to say, I think there, there's a problem there. But I, I don't know what. And I, I think it's not that it's being that it's turned into a business. At least that's not the problem in Germany. Maybe we have other problems and it has the same outcome. I have no idea. Anyway, Yevgeny replied, um, Yevgeny Kuznetsov replied um, in this thread to Barry and said, uh, being a medical university teacher, I wholeheartedly agree with every point you're making. Still, it's hard not to quote a common Russian saying in my rough translation, you can't do the job, go teach it. If you can't do anything at all, go teach at a pedagogical. There's actually a German um, saying that's this, yeah, uh, it's pretty much the same. Um, when du nichts kannst, wirst du Lehrer. Yeah, that's maybe where my prejudice actually comes from. Um, Barry responded to that and said, I do agree that the teachers who teach pedagogy are by and large useless. To which Yevgeny um, then replied one more time, said, funnily, I think I disagree. To teach at a medical university in Russia, you have to be both a doctor and a teacher, not only by calling, but also by formal education. After I was offered the position, I, being a doctor at that point, had to take a course in pedagogy and get a diploma. <coughs> Sorry, my oh, ah, my my throat is, is I'm killing myself here. We need some coffee. Um, I, being a doctor at this point, had to take a course in pedagogy, get a diploma in that too. Also, every five years, I have to take courses in both my medical specialty and in pedagogy, and take exams to confirm that I'm still good for both trades. That is a special Russian thing. I can t I can tell you that in Germany, uh, this does not apply. Um, so um, so if you teach at university, um, and you, you're just a, like you're they're just doctors, medical doctors, uh, usually from hospital that that go into teaching, uh, and they certainly don't have to take any exams anymore. And I don't think they have to get a diploma in teaching. Um, you basically have to. Um, I mean, you can do what my wife is doing, which is to, uh, uh, you know, to 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 get a um, to habilitation uh, is called in German to basically become a professor. Although you're not becoming a professor because the professor is the position at the university, and you can also teach at university without getting this, um, which is you have to um, actually write a. Um, uh, write a, it's kind of a PhD thesis, um, a second one, and then you have to defend it and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of like getting a second PhD. Um, but like, you don't, you don't have to do that um, in Germany. I must say, all these courses in pedagogy I've taken throughout the years weren't completely worthless. Of course, nothing I learned there could be readily applied in my daily work, but it gave me a lot of food for thought and base for building up my own teaching techniques that fit my particular area and conditions of teaching which i think is great we don't have like for example i think i mean this is what i was saying earlier i think there's a lot of people um that are teaching that are lacking in this pedagogy part where they don't actually know how to teach this is very like in the german high school system the higher you get the, the further you get to the gymnasium where i was the more you have like just people off university who just knew, know their subject very well but don't know how to teach and they're often useless with children. Um, but it's just expected that because uh, because they end up teaching children with higher skills um, that they also are more disciplined, which often is the case, but not always. Um, 
Yeah, which is also why there's problems like, you know, which I, I was mercilessly bullied at school because these teachers had no idea what was going on in the class, right? If they had any training in pedagogy and they knew what they were doing, then they would have seen what was happening. And, you know, but like teachers in like the lower rungs of this system, because they have more difficult children, they're expected to learn this kind of stuff. And they often better. Um, yeah. So that is... Uh, certainly, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, it seems to be different everywhere, um, but I think there's similar problems. Anyway, this topic definitely is is interesting because we had in the uh, in the feedback thread for episode 135, uh, which was uh, the Twitter files part one, which might have I can't remember might have caused the discussion this was maybe where i made a comment and then it you know in 37 we were talking about it again because listener feedback anyway uh, in in that uh, uh, thread yevgeny also uh, chimed in and uh, and said uh, re the sorry state of education it is indeed mind-boggling how we all have the same issue despite having very different education systems. I try to resist cons conspiracy theories on the basis of Hanlon's razor, but I can't really think of any other reasons for the sorry state of education in the department of the critical thinking than the combination of two facts. A. Every education system is funded by either the government or the people otherwise in charge even if in charge means in charge of assigning municipal budget spendings. And B, it is widely acknowledged that critical thinkers are, are a more difficult type to manage. They certainly are. <laughs> I am exhibit A. <laughs> um, systems differ, and in every system it works differently, but the result is the same. Those in charge subconsciously, perhaps in many cases, want the educational system to produce manageable citizens and the system follows suit in line with the sexist and heteronormative but true <laughs> Russian saying he who dines the girl is the one who dances her and uh, I guess the dances there is uh, often um, kind of said in imaginary air quotes um, to make it even more sexist uh, <clears throat> but yeah um yeah, I think you have a good point there. I haven't thought of it that way, but um, I think this is not uh, exclusive to the edu education system. I think companies like work like this as well. I think that's why people like me often, I mean, this is why I basically in the end left um, the last company I was working for because people who are critical thinkers are not easy to manage for their bosses and that's why critical thinking is discouraged now i like critical thinking and i had always thought becoming a journalist is the best job if you like critical thinking and complaining criticizing because that's basically your job um but it turns out if you work for a big company uh, even though they employ journalists they also don't like critical thinking um <laughs> i mean i had very uh, many many um Issues where, like, you know, I was I was actually um, extor extolled to think critically in my um, articles, and then when I applied the same kind of thinking to, like, I don't know, the 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 things the company was publishing on the internet, 
and and commenting then suddenly that wasn't liked <laughs> you know so i think this is a um a process that happens pretty much everywhere in any group um I think it's just a function of politics and politics is everywhere you know where more than three people gather it's politics or more than two people i think and and then you 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 have uh you know the people in power don't like people to think critically so it, that's kind of that kind of try to breed that out of people sorry my um my throat is it's very dry for some reason i don't know what's going on um but yeah, I mean that. I think that is that is a problem in the education system. Although, the more I think about this, so I've thought about this while I was preparing the show notes, right? And and I'm I'm coming to the. Okay, this is just um, this is just a theory. Thanks for your feedback on all this, by the way, uh, Evgeny and, and 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 Barry. Um, and um, I do. This is just a theory, right? And and I want you to, in turn, give me feedback on this. Not only uh, Evgeny and Barry, but everybody who's listening to this. I want to know what you think about this. But maybe, maybe it's not the education system. Um, because Hanlon's razor, <clears throat> that was mentioned here, would suggest that it's unlikely, that it's an unlikely outcome um, that this uh, problem exists in, in all of our different societies with all their you, as we discussed right now you know just now all these different aspects in our education systems and why would like Australia going more like business like with the education system and, and Germany having like completely different systems but in, in, in issues why would that have the same outcome isn't it more likely that it's a general population problem and that the education system just isn't fixing it because it's not set up to fix it and never was um so when i thought like what what has changed over the last 30 years and now i'm going to say something again very controversial that i probably some people are going to disagree with me on but you know please do um and i will hear you out of course and if you want also read out uh, uh, or if it's interesting, read out your, your comments on the show um, and we can have a discussion. But like, what if, I mean, the thing that changed is technology, right? So what if the internet and it's like the, the way we, we, we um, digest information, right? That, that would impact people's, you know, lives and, you know, education and everything. Like, what if that's the problem? What if people have lost the ability for critical thinking or largely um, and and just are lacking certain skills um, because they don't have to work for things anymore, right? What if you don't bother learning how to write a letter because at any time you can just ask Google how to do that. What if that is the problem? And I'm not saying it's a universal problem because I think the internet and technology is a double-edged sword. I think you can be a lot more critical than you were 30 years ago um, and with, with a lot better arguments. And you can think about your life much more and learn much more about the world 
through the internet because you have the ability like the internet isn't like good or bad it gives you all this technology gives you the ability to dive deeper into the subject in the topics and and do more research and find out things that would have been impossible or very hard to find out before right so i'm just you know as an example i'm reading a book about the uh, the submarine uh, warfare in world war 2 like the german submarine warfare right and there's like there's like these hints and then they they mention like they just in passing mention like one submarine right because u332 or whatever uh and then and then they just mention that on like one page and then they move on and i'm like oh i'm more interested in what happened to the submarine right back in the day i would have to like go to drive to fucking eckernförde or something to some um obscure archive and like ask them hey i'm not in the university anymore but i'm studying this shit like would you let me copy some of your like materials right today i can just go to the internet there's like uboats.net or whatever and there's all that information on there so it has a huge potential for learning but i think it could also make you lazy and it's not like i think we all are probably guilty of one of the other right so i um i a few years ago i decided that i would use google maps less because i realized that i was just like oh i need to go somewhere i'll just put it in google maps and then i just follow the phone right and that is awesome because it knows the traffic and it couldn't route me around shit but i realized shit i'm i'm unlearning how to navigate in my own city i don't know how to get from a to b because i'm just like relying on google maps and if something happens and the americans turn the gps off of god's sake google fucking discontinues google maps which could happen any day uh, you know it's google uh you know I'd be like fucked. I wouldn't know how to find the places anymore. So so I started being more conscious about knowing where to go places and make sure that I turn off Google Maps at certain points or that I'd still know how to get to places. And I I do this once in a while. I I I I I, I f- like uh realize these things about my technology usage and then I'm trying to like steer against like things that i feel are bad for me and you know if some zoomer listens to this they're probably going oh fucking boomer dad what what the fuck are you doing that's just silly but i don't think it is right and i don't think um i think this might be the problem um i think technology might be the problem i think people getting lazy might be the problem maybe people are forgetting how to learn things right how to how to i don't know work for things sounds weird sounds old fashioned sounds stupid maybe i'm just getting old but to me that is like right now that's my working theory that's my most plausible um uh explanation for the problems and phenomena we have um been talking about so what do you think? Um, I just to me that sounds much more plausible than the education system, because that's a societal shift that has happened everywhere, like in the what we used to be used to call the first world, but you know, 
the Western countries most of you are listening from um, are probably, you know, developed countries like that. And, and, and this kind of technological uh, um, progress has, has, has been made in lockstep around the world, whereas like the education system is vastly different as we've just seen. So I don't know. It seems to me more likely to me, but let me know. I would like your um, input on this. Um, please go to privatecitizen.press to the brand new homepage. Uh, click on contact and uh, let me know. And thus we come to the little bit restructured credit section um, where I would like to give credit to everybody who's helping uh, produce the show and make it happen. And I've talked a bit about in the beginning of Patreon and how I want to um, concentrate on that. So I'm not going to go into that in this episode. But, you know, if you if you can pitch in and you, and you like what you're like, this show does something for you, makes you think, gives you information that's valuable. Um, just consider joining the Patreon. And, you know, if Patreon isn't not workable for some reason, or if you want to support the show but you don't want to be mentioned in the credits, which is totally understandable, let me know. I mean, contact me, email, whatever. Um, we can we can work something else out if, if you know, if, if Patreon is not an option. But, you know, if it is, it's just so much better for me and I would appreciate if you support me. And uh, with that, um, I would like to thank everybody who has supported me and who's, um, you know, helped make this episode happen. First of all, we have to give some special thanks to Patrick Wieland, who sent me a Christmas gift um, before Christmas and kind of supported the show. Um, and I, I appreciate that. So uh, thanks, Patrick. And then we have um, our usual credits for the show so we have uh, our two showrunners Sergal Terran and Indie Gamiax who are you know just like the name says like in Hollywood are basically the ones who are almost single-handedly making this happen then we have our executive producers who are also pitching in and uh, we're helping out with some not negligible amounts so uh, thanks to the executive producers Butterbeans Jaroslav Lichtblau Rizel and Sandman616 and uh, I also appreciate my supervising producers, 1i11g, Avis, Bennett, Piata, Dave, IKN, Jackie Plage, John Jonathan M. Hitai, Crunkle, Michael Mullen Jensen, and Robert Forster. And a thanks to the producers, Astral C, Cam, Captain Naked, David Potter, Dirk Didi, Florian P. Gorsch, Yo, Joe Joe Poser, this German English <laughs> Michael Small, Mika, Mr. Ramish, Rick Brack, and RJ Tracy. And uh, thanks to the associate producers, Barry Williams, D, Jonathan, Johan Sonnen, Kaisius, Ricky M, Steve Hose, and Vlad. And uh, I also have to thank Bytemark at bytemark.co.uk, an uh, amazing UK cloud hosting company who are providing the hosting and the bandwidth for this episode and I couldn't do the show without Bindmark so thanks to Bindmark and that's it that's, uh, that was the first episode of the new year um, here's to many many more 
hopefully enough that I'll catch up to the ones I dropped last year. That's the goal. That's what I'm aiming at. And uh, yeah, um, I have to, uh, let's mention the, the, the music for the show. Acoustic Roots is the theme song. And I'm going to play us out with the song The Shiny One by Big Girl. And um, I hope to see you soon. And please let me know what you think of the changes. And as always, aim to misbehave.